1: Hey, what is up everyone? This week on the Send podcast, we go deep down the rabbit hole with Gavin Nascimento. And this is actually Gavin's third appearance on the podcast. And for you guys who aren't familiar with Gavin, he is an adventurer, life coach, activist, vegan athlete, writer and animal lover. And he also runs the popular social media and website A New Kind of Human. So within this podcast, we delve deep into Gavin's spiritual journey, We talk about his visions through the plant medicine ayahuasca and also digging into his lessons and visions through his DMT experiences. And if you guys are not familiar with ayahuasca or DMT, I would also recommend checking out some of our previous episodes that we've done on the podcast. Maybe check out episode 48 with Rick Strassman where we discuss DMT or even other episodes to check out. I would recommend would be episode 9 and 14 with Michael Sanders where we delve into ayahuasca. So, as you guys all know, life is a mysterious cycle, and there's so many mysterious things in life that are going on all around us, and also inside us as well, that we don't fully understand. And one of the most mystical experiences that we encounter as human beings on this planet is the spiritual world. And over the years, many people have tried to explain this and put meaning behind it, but there is still no affirmative answer, which in my eyes is beautiful, because it allows people like us to keep seeking that unknown and the mysteries. It's very interesting because when you actually look at the human experience from a whole, we all know that there is intelligence and realms beyond our known all around us. And there's places where we can actually slip into for a fraction of time and learn more about the human experience, learn more about ourselves and even gain an understanding of who we are, who we really are which can be achieved through many different practices, as we all know. And all these different practices seem to be this bridge between these two worlds that actually expand our consciousness beyond our five sensory default settings in this reality, so that we can actually experience more. So in this podcast, we focus mainly on Gavin's journey through his ayahuasca story. It's very interesting because the medicine actually seems to be this doorway to the truths about the past, the present, and the future, the self, other things and life stories which actually n- enables this deep healing clarity in the beginning of like a new transformational system which opens up in your mind. And I know for a fact that you are definitely going to find some deep meaning and resonance within this conversation. But before we jump in with this thing, you can now support the podcast through our Patreon page by going to ww.patreon.com ascend or alternatively just go to our send podcast website. And if you don't know what Patreon is, Patreon supports the podcast directly and you also get to receive some really cool rewards in the process. Currently we have 5 tiers of rewards set up for you guys. We have reward tiers called Hidden Citizens, Pursuit of Knowledge, Seeker, Awakened Mind, Enlightened Ones and The Paradigm Shift. And each tier has lots of different fun rewards. You might get a cool Binary Beat or Guided Meditation every month. Or why not be a part of our brand new Send Conscious Hub or even join in and on a deep discussion in our Send community hangout where you get access to other awakened minds including me and Chris and previous guests who've been on the podcast. So please spare a few minutes and check out the rewards. And if you can, please support the podcast and any amount helps towards our bigger goal in taking this podcast to the next level. So anyway, without further ado, Let's jump in with this conversation. The spiritual warfare. Enjoy. I was just going to say, as well, before we start, as well, I was going to say, how many hours of sleep have you had this time?
2: <laughs> no, 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 this time around, I actually got in a solid good sleep. This time, probably, I got about seven or eight hours. Oh, but solid, cool. solid sleep. Like, I woke up, I felt good. So, I'm 100%.
1: Cool. So, because last time you said you had four hours and the podcast was absolutely amazing, this time you've had <laughs> <laughs> this time you've had seven. So it's going to absolutely just blow people's minds.
2: Nearly double the Gavin. No, no pressure, though. No pressure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but Gavin, last time um we spoke as well. you um, you, obviously you slightly mentioned and touched on your journey through the plant medicine ayahuasca, and um, after you slightly touched on it, um, you were talking about um, fighting demons and. The war between the light and dark and stuff like that. And me and Chris had a conversation um, off the podcast, and we were saying, yes, we have got to have a conversation with Gavin about that, haven't we? Yeah, too true. And um, but just to start us off, Gavin, as well, I wanted to sort of like paint a bit of paint a bit of picture for the audience and go all the way back to the sort of the beginning of your journey. And um, I want I wanted to know sort of what was your spiritual what did your spiritual background look like, and what was your thoughts prior to ayahuasca on the spiritual world prior to doing ayahuasca.
2: So look I had a I would say I had a pretty open mind. You know, growing up when I was when I was smaller and younger, I had a religious view of the world, but it was it was more like a a Gnostic view kind of a thing. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Gnostics, but yeah. What it is, I had loose loosely affiliated Christian views. But they were very spiritual views. I'm not. I don't lean towards that anymore. You know, I've obviously learned a lot since then, and you grow and etc. Not to say that anybody that subscribes to Christian ideology is, you know, in the stone age or something, because different strokes for different folks. But I was. I was relatively spiritual. I had an open mind. Um, I've always believed in. Well, I don't want to actually say always. I would say when you when I was younger. I always believed in just being positive and positive energy. And I also noticed because the the earliest childhood memory I actually had is the memory of fear and violence. I come from a pretty crazy background. And as a result of that, when I was a child, I was actually deeply fearful. And I experienced a lot of the darker elements that, that come with living in fear. And what I discovered as I got older and I went and I entered into school, that was my escape. So from first grade, second grade, etc., I would go there and it was just that was my escape and I would laugh and I was a class clown and I had a great time. And as I became became more positive and opened up more to life, then things started to get better. I didn't encounter certain dark presences. I didn't live with that anxiety on a constant and persistent basis. But then as I, as I've grown older and stuff, you know, life throws you curveballs. It can be very, very difficult and you kind of forget a lot of the stuff when you're younger, which is to say, just have fun, just be a kid. You know, you thrust into another world and uh, it can degrade your mind. can have a, a huge impact psychologically. Also, you know, Television, news, media, it's constantly feeding us fear. And it keeps us, if you want to say, at a very low vibration, which you guys are obviously very familiar with that terminology. And proceeding to my experience with ayahuasca, prior to that, I actually wasn't in a position where I felt a great need to do it because I had gone a very long route and i wouldn't say attaining enlightenment because i'm still learning but i took a very wrong a, a very excuse me long road in learning about positive thinking learning about loa the law of attraction about meditating so i was practicing these things on a daily basis for a long time and then I, the opportunity presented itself i mean i had watched several documentaries i'm sure you guys have heard of the spurred molecule. Yeah, yeah. The cool. One with cool. Joe Rogan is a presenter. You guys are familiar with that.
1: Yeah, we had a we had Rick Strassman on the podcast as well, um, about four months back, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, it was a really good episode. Yeah. Fantastic Yeah, episode. there you go,
2: it's awesome. So that that was a very popular documentary and I saw it and I was like, okay, you know, this is very interesting and they were talking about DMT and and stuff. And to be honest with you, which I actually before I forget I should mention this, I did DMT before I did ayahuasca. Whoa. <laughs> wow. Yes. And, and for those who are not aware, we haven't done it yet. DMT is extremely powerful. It is the most potent psychedelic, if you ever want to call it a psychedelic. I think it's completely in its own league. Yeah, but it's much more potent than ayahuasca. Ayahuasca is very gentle. But with DMT, there's no negotiations involved. It just thrusts you into another world. And after you've done it, I mean, it's a very short, intense change in terms of your consciousness and the paradigm in which you are currently existing. But, But it's so intense that when it happens, it's... It's so profound, it's so crazy Mm. that it's difficult to actually put into words. It's so, so difficult to put into words. But what you will find is people that have these experiences, they have a similar account. Now, it can be different, but there's still a similar account. And that's what makes it so special in my opinion
0: yeah governor is it like instantaneous is it like a like a quick altered shift like is it like a yeah, the, complete D- open... the
2: dmt or the ayahuasca
0: i was talking about the dmt there is it like a complete yeah, spiritual
2: dmt is it's it's literally it happens in a in the blink of an eye so for me i'll explain actually what happened the first time around it was me and my cousin and i had done research into it i had that's the thing. I wasn't I'm not familiar with it. You know what I mean? I did a lot of research into it. I watched several documentaries. Um, I'm a fan of Terence McKenna. I love listening to his talks. I like his take on on psychedelics and spirituality. So I was, I don't want to say mentally prepared, because nothing can mentally prepare you for that shit. Yeah. But I was. <laughs> I had an idea of what it was, and because I was so respectful, and conservative in my approach when I first tried to smoke it I would only take like a you know like just a one puff and and nothing really profound would happen like the clouds would look maybe a little bit interesting or the plants and then I kind of thought well maybe that's just it you know It's, it's nothing too big and then my cousin he got like a he smoked like a good solid puff okay took a good solid puff And he was acting fucking crazy. Like, it it actually freaked me out when I saw him. I was a bit scared. I was actually worried about him because he was acting, he was acting crazy. I couldn't, I couldn't discern his behavior. I couldn't interpret what he was doing. I couldn't make sense of it. And then after everything had finally taken place and occurred, he told me it was the most amazing and profound experience he ever had. But now at this point, the DMT was finished. Because it was a couple of us. It was me and him, and then it was his sister and a couple other people. So what I said is, okay, the next time around we smoke the DMT, because I've smoked it on several occasions. But the next time we do it, I'm going to just smoke that shit like Bob Molly smokes weed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because he had this crazy experience, and I, like, I didn't have any special thing happen to me. So the next time around, I decided what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm gonna smoke it and just smoke it and smoke it until I feel like, you know, some kind of a change, like something significant. Because I was concerned, you know, all the things that you hear about how crazy it is, you obviously approach it with a very conservative, conservative mindset. You're scared. You actually are a bit scared yeah. about what's going to take place. So the next time I smoked it, I smoked it, and then just boom, All of a sudden, like, things are three-dimensional. I mean, things already are three-dimensional. I suppose you could say five-dimensional. Yeah. Whatever's the next level above that. And, And everything is alive. Everything is alive. You see, like, the Fibonacci sequence in everything. And you see patterns where you would normally see nothing. So in the empty space that we perceive, we perceive it to be empty space, wow. you will you'll actually see patterns in the air. It's, it's just, it's mind-blowing. And, and the thing is, what makes it so profound and, and such an incredible experience is it's not entirely a subjective one. And what I mean by that is you speak to people, because I've done a lot of research on this, and I also spoke to my cousin about it, and people see similar things. They will see similar things. Like they'll see, you know, that that eye, for example. They'll see like the, if you want to call it the all-seeing eye. A lot of the time, people see that kind of stuff. Or they will see. It's been such a long time since I smoked some DMT, but you'll see these very profound patterns, beautiful patterns. Um, everything is alive, and if you go into a place that is full of, you know, beautiful scenery of trees and plants and just mother nature. It is unbelievable. Like there are actually no words that can describe how surreal it is. Because the trees literally come alive. I remember I had an experience at first we were in my cousin's room and it was it was really cool to be in there. And it's a different experience we had music playing and it's very difficult for me to say this, but I could see the music and I know that shit sounds crazy. That's why I don't that's why I'm not the biggest fan of talking about it to people who have never done it. Yeah. Because it's it escapes their apprehension. Well you know G- Gavin,
1: Gavin, we haven't done it and that, that definitely doesn't sound crazy to us. Like we definitely under- fully understand that. We we actually Yeah, but
2: you see you guys have very open minds. Yeah. That's the beautiful thing, you see. and and it's I need to stress that to any skeptics. You see the thing is naturally when I talk I do consider how skeptics approach something because when you do what we do, you get haters. You know what I mean? And they're trying to always find something to, to degrade or dismiss or discredit your arguments. So in this regard, for anybody that's listening to what I'm saying, whether you're a skeptic, whether you're somebody that wants to try, just have an open mind. You have got to have an open mind. As to what will unfold before you. I mean we all have preconceptions. It's impossible not to. That's what perception is. We wouldn't be able to perceive this world. If we didn't have a conditioned outlook. We all have beliefs. That's what it means to have beliefs. But just have an open mind. For a moment. That what you are using. Is not a conventional drug. I don't even. I'm not necessarily even that big on using the term psychedelic. Because DMT, first of all, it's something that is produced mm-hmm. when we sleep. It's what allows us to dream. They actually had a couple studies where they tested rats, and they found in the pineal gland, that's where their DMT is produced. And rats can also dream. They have very complex dreams. Yeah. So theoretically, our pineal gland, I'm sure you guys have heard this before,
1: yeah, yeah. but I don't know if
2: they've actually conducted studies yet, but theoretically, because a rat has a very similar system to ours, which is why they always carrying out experiments on them because they have a similar response biologically. Theoretically, our DMT should be produced in our pineal gland as well. So when you're smoking the DMT, you have to realize this is something that is not a drug. This is some other shit. It's something else. Yeah, definitely. It It transcends. It extends beyond our orthodox science. It extends beyond our conventional understanding of the world. In other words, this is something that we have not entirely comprehended yet.
1: Wow. Yeah, Gavin, I was going to say as well, um, when you were talking about DMT there, sort of not, like, not being a drug, you're completely right because when we had Rick Strassman on the podcast, he was talking about how actually DMT, and this is very deep this, and he was talking about how there needs to be more studies done on this, but he actually was making a perception that maybe DMT is actually the reason why we're perceiving reality now. So what he was meaning by that is the way when, we, when we actually see through our eyes, he said that a form of DMT could actually be releasing to allow us to actually visually see the world in front of us. It's feasible.
2: Yeah, yeah I mean, it's definitely possible. Can I, can I tell you something that's fucking really crazy? After you do the DMT, and this has happened consistently each time afterwards, because the, the time that I, the next time I did it, I'll get into that in a little bit, because that was even more intense. But each time after I've done it, when, you, when it fades, you really feel as though you are almost trapped in this mundane reality. When you smoke DMT, and right now I can't obviously speak for everybody. I can only offer my perspective and my experience and also the experience of other people that I've spoken to. But when you smoke DMT... It affords you the opportunity and the insight to realize that human beings are infinitely more powerful than what we have been led to believe.
1: Yeah, definitely. Gavin, as well. Just to jump back before as well, because before when you touched about, um, you were talking about when you said you smoked the DMT, you started seeing sort of like intelligence all around you, and you were talking about the intelligence in nature. I I wanted to ask you: Do you think that the like the intelligence that you actually saw, like when you were smoking the DMT, do you actually think that's like sort of already present everywhere? We just can't see it and we can't tune into it.
2: Yes, I do. Look, I read a book a long time ago. It's called The Secret Life of Plants. It's also a documentary, and uh, I'm not sure if you guys have familiar with it or if you've heard of it. I'm sure you've heard of studies where yeah, are plants intelligent. Yeah. Yeah. So already prior to that, reading this book, The Secret Life of Plants and doing studies and, and checking everything out and how they have an aura, I think it's, ugh, I can't even remember, the stuff is bubbling in the back of my mind it was so many years ago that I researched this stuff, but I think it may be called Curleon Photography. I may be incorrect, but it's where they capture, where they allegedly capture the aura of a particular body, and they were actually doing it with plants as well. So, based on that, yes, I do believe that plants have intelligent thoughts, but I believe it goes much deeper than that, because DMT is also present in everything. It's not just human beings. It's present, if I remember correctly, it's present in plants. It is present in... um, different kinds of animals that's why it's absurd when the the government tries to say that it's illegal how can you make it illegal that's not even possible
1: gavin just to jump in do you think that do you think the presence of that intelligence as well do you think that's actually all around us as well like do you think it's it's in this like you said before i think you mentioned you said in the in between the spaces of everywhere around us do you think that intelligence is around us everywhere
2: i do think that it is i think it goes even deeper than that though uh, yeah, I think there's, I think there's more than one force. You know what I mean? There's, there's different forces, but I think yes, we are, we are all in this field, and we're not just in this field. We are this field. You know what I mean? We we part of it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Look, it's a, it's it's some very deep stuff that human beings are still in process. Of comprehending and that includes myself. I mean, I don't want to talk about human beings as if they're external to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just it's some shit we're figuring out together.
1: Yeah, you know? oh, yeah, but we have to
2: be open to that. We have to be humble enough. You know, the foundation of all wisdom, knowledge, and understanding is the awareness of our own igno- uh, ignorance. Excuse me. And too often, and this is in each civilization, not just this one, and I say civilization very loosely because we haven't attained a state of civilization. But in each society throughout history, they've always fancied themselves as being at the top of the game, as knowing everything. We don't know shit. That's the truth of the matter. Yeah. We have a lot to learn. There's a lot more that we don't know than we do know. You know, it's, it's something that we have got to be open to because if you have – there's an expression. I would rather have a mind open by wonder. The one closed by belief, because if it's closed, we're not gonna make any progress. We're not going to learn anything new, and we're not gonna discover who and what we truly are, and what our potential purpose is in this reality.
0: I think Gavin is all about having respect for this knowledge which is out there. And really, yes. I think when you finally have the respect for that knowledge, it actually can come back to you tenfold. But Gavin, um, I, this is what I really wanted to tell to you about. Like, what was your, like, catalyst for you heading down to the jungle? Like, what did, like, the thought process look like? Like, I know you've already done DMT, so you already had that little deep spiritual aspect, especially with, like, meditation as well. So, but what did lead you up to decide to head to the jungle for ayahuasca?
2: So, I didn't actually head to the jungle. Jungle. <laughs> I did a ja in South Africa. And, it you know, it's, it's a guy that goes between Peru and South Africa. And it was, it was the first time I've also done it on more than one occasion. The first time I was actually at his house, the second time I was at a very nice location in like the middle of nowhere, I guess you could say on a farm. Mm -hmm. And what actually inspired me was I had a buddy. And it's funny because me and my, my friend, when we were younger, we were both just hooligans. I mean, wild as can be. And we would drink and we would party. I mean, we'd go for days and days and just completely out of control. And uh, this was when we lived in the United States. Well, I came back to South Africa, and he also came back to South Africa. Now, we didn't plan this together, but when we got in contact again, we started chatting and talking about things, and I explained that because I was living in Johannesburg at the time. And I explained, okay, well, I want to check out Cape Town, and he lived in Cape Town. And then we started talking about ayahuasca, and he had been to several retreats. So it was him going that inspired me and I went along with him and I was very well prepared. I mean, mentally, physically, spiritually, I was at the top of my game. Um, in every way you can conceive of, I felt good. I felt strong. And my experience reflected that as well. It was an extremely empowering experience. Uh, it was a bit funny because when I did it, it took, it takes a long time for it to kick in okay ayahuasca is it's a very it's very gentle it's very motherly that's why I suppose probably amongst the many reasons but that's probably why they call it mother ayahuasca it's very very gentle but it was taking so long for it to kick in (laughs) that I thought it wasn't working I actually I went to the bathroom because I did really need to go to the bathroom and then the guy because they have people that facilitate it. So one of the, the shamans, he just came to check on me, make sure everything's okay. And I said, Yo, look, I just want to ask you a question. I'm not sure if this is actually having any effect <laughs> on me. <laughs> and then he said, no, look, it's, it's cool. Just just be patient. Just, just relax. And I did. And eventually, yeah, it started to kick in. Because what they do is they'll have you drink. And then you drink a little bit more. And then you drink a little bit more. Well, they'll, they'll give you the opportunity to drink more at least this was with the individuals that I was doing it with and then naturally if you drink more you go in deeper if you drink a bit more you go in a bit deeper
1: Gavin did you actually did you have any um sort of before you did it as well like on the way down to sort of on the journey to go and like do the ayahuasca did you actually have any like sort of pre uh perceived like um notions like in your mind sort of what a way it's ahead of you like did you have like did you set any like intentions or things like that
2: well, the, he, what he actually said, the shaman, he said, look, it's, it's always good to actually have an intention going into this, something that you would like maybe an answer for, something that's been on your mind. So what I decided to do was I would go in it, and I have much deeper questions than most people. It's not always relating to myself because I've, I've already done a lot of work myself. I took I didn't take the elevator, I took the stairs. <laughs> you see, ayahuasca can help you take the elevator. But I really took the stairs and I overcame alcoholism within myself, anxiety, depression, porn addiction, all kinds of different shit. So it was a long, long myriad of issues that I had overcome within myself. And I had did that already. So it wasn't so much to do any work on myself. It was more questioning what the hell is going on on this planet? And that's something that uh, it inspires me. It's something that drives me. I want to know what exactly is going on in this planet because I haven't been to the bottom of the proverbial ba- rabbit hole and I haven't met anybody that has. And I always tell people to be careful of anybody that claims that they have. So it almost seems unending, this proverbial rabbit hole. So going into it for me, I, the big question was, I just want to know what's going on here, what forces are at work, what forces are at play, because I do know that there's a dark presence here. I have no doubt whatsoever about that, not just based on my my personal experience of being here, but also based on a lot of a lot of research. And uh, I, and I felt like I got some answers, but it didn't go as deep as I wanted to. It didn't go as deep as I wanted to. The second time around, and we'll get to that a little bit later, was I had these questions again, but I actually was a lot more intense about it, where I, I felt the need and I wanted to confront whatever that whatever's on the other side, so to speak.
1: Wow. Well, Gavin, I, I was going to say, Gavin, I, I want just to jump back, So I loved how you said that, um, take the stairs because I, I was actually thinking in my head that would be that would be like amazing sort of like a uh, like t-shirt just take the stairs <laughs> instead of the lift i love yeah. I, I love i love that but gavin when you when you're talking about there your, um, your intention there of sort of knowing what's going on on the planet that is that, that is a really big intention that and i think that's from like our obviously me knowing you and i was a person as well i think that is t- such beautiful for you to set an intention like that and see beyond see beyond the intention just for yourself actually look it's Trying to set an intention that sort of looks at the bigger picture for humanity, and I absolutely love that. Um, but Gavin, as well, like so, just and obviously. So now, let's see. Obviously, you're sitting in the ceremony, like you drink. You just you've just drank the ayahuasca brew. Could you like talk us through like sort of your first vision that you the first time you encountered it, the vision?
2: All right. So the the first time I did it, he definitely gave me a lot, uh, a very conservative dose because. It's understandable. They don't know you at first. They don't know what your intention of being there precisely is. So they have to discern it. The second time around, they gave me a much larger dose. So the first time when I when I took it, first of all, it's got a horrible taste. Unfortunately, it does. And one thing I was a bit concerned about going into it, and I'm sure you guys have heard about this, is throwing up. They give everybody a bucket in case you do need to throw up. And it's because it's actually about purging. And purging is where you're getting rid of certain things within yourself. Certain trauma, certain uh, inner demons, whatever you want to call it, however you want to label it. And then you throw up. So for myself, because everybody says on your first encounter, on your first experience with ayahuasca, you're going to purge, you're going to throw up. And for myself, I never did. I felt amazing the entire time. It was probably the most empowering experience. And look, I'm a thinker, I'm a deep thinker, I'm very skeptical. So that's why I'm I'm thinking about this as I say it. But to be, you know, earnest, to be honest, and to still be skeptical of my own memory, I'll say that it is one of the most empowering experiences that I've ever had in my entire life. It felt like the first time that I ever truly, truly meditated and felt you feel a, a peace that it's, it's, it's hard to actually put into words. And I, I, I try to pride myself on being relatively good with words. So when I tell you that it's difficult to put in <laughs> yeah. that tranquility and feeling, you know, it's it's difficult to articulate it, but it was so empowering and peaceful. It was amazing. It really was a beautiful thing.
0: It sounded like, Governor, you you, con- um, you gained complete control and surrendered your entire emotional. Yeah, actually-
2: look, it was amazing. It was really amazing. And, and I'll tell you, look, it's actually good. First of all, this experience, okay? It's actually good that that you talking to me about this because... I know from what I've researched and everything, and I look at both of my experiences with ayahuasca, I haven't actually found anybody who's had the same experience as myself. Mm. I think so. so it'll be, oh, it, yeah, it'll be, it'll be good. I, I've heard of people having that empowering experience, but I'm talking more about my second experience. And what's, what's crazy, what's really interesting, is they were so different. The first experience was an empowering experience. I didn't throw up at all. I felt just so, so strong. I mean, it was when it started to get deeper into the ayahuasca because they play like ancient shaman music, they play music from native tribes, like they play some good, powerful music. And as you go deeper in, it's more like warrior kind of music. Yeah. And I was just bopping my head because I was so pumped up. I felt amazing. But the second time around when I took it, it was also under very different circumstances. The second time, physically, I was very unhealthy. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm still a vegan. I still just drink water. You know, I wasn't drinking alcohol, but I hadn't trained physically in a very long time because I tore my pec. I tore my pec so I couldn't do any exercise. And I had that injury with me. And in addition to that, I had a lot of issues, personal issues going on. My dog had been just diagnosed with a a fatal form of cancer. I had a lot of issues going on within my family. I had financial difficulties. So my mind wasn't in a great place. And in addition to all of these personal problems that were going on, I remember on the day that I actually went there. And this time I went there with my girlfriend because she really wanted to go. And I wanted to experience it as well so that she can you know go through some things that she needs clarity on and help her work through them etc and we went there and
1: <clears throat>
2: this this time around the experience i mean I was I actually felt a bit sick on the day that I went just to give you some insights because when somebody's sick for those who can't read between the lines it's not always just solely about your physical health there's something deeper going on there sickness and disease you know dis-ease it's a response to the fact that you are not in a good place so I went there anyways because you know it's a it's a good experience I knew that it could help me and I also wanted my girlfriend to experience it but this time around when I went there I purged for like half the session it was very very intense it was very, very difficult to go through. And there were things that I had to come to terms with. One of them being that my dog's brain cancer. And this was intense. And it's difficult to to face yourself in the mirror and to deal with this kind of stuff. But one of them was that my, my dog's brain cancer. And my dog is, I mean, fuck, he's like my son. And, but his brain cancer was largely the result of me putting him through stress, that's a very difficult thing to come to terms with. But that's what I what I got from that. I had my suspicions, and it's not entirely an absolute. You know, I'm still I'm skeptical of my own perception always, even if I am doing ayahuasca. But that hit me, and as soon as it hit me, I just started purging. I just started throwing up, and the reason why I, I felt that way is because there's been occasions where You know, when you have a dog, and I'm a very loving person, and you give, and and this applies to people as well too, and you give all of your love to that person, or all of your love to your dog, then let's say you have to go somewhere. And you can't explain to a dog that you're going to go somewhere. Maybe you go overseas. And then you disappear. All of that love now has been taken away. All of those emotions and 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 it was, it was just, it was a little bit too much. You know what I mean? It's not actually healthy for a dog to inundate them with love. As much as we want to do it, it's actually not that healthy. If you look at the dog whisperer, see them alone and read his books, etc. But anyways, from doing that, the ayahuasca, it gave me some insight that basically putting him through the psychological stress of going away periodically, you know, because you got to go overseas and you got to do something, that that was very intense on his brain. And that's just that's the feedback that I got from that. So it was it was very intense. And then after that took place, because I was purging about it. After that took place, because one of my intentions going in towards it was again, what the hell is going on in this planet? I want to know know what the fuck is going on here. Yeah. And it was at a time when I was researching some really dark things, some very disturbing things. Not things based on theory but things based on fact. And just to not go on too much of a tangent, but it was dealing with, with child pedophilia amongst the ruling class and certain ritualistic abuse. And again, I'm not talking about theoretical stuff. I know there's a lot of theories surrounding the more recent Pizzagate stuff. Yeah. This, is, this is before that. It's long before that. And when you start to research it, you realize that there is a very dark presence here. Because what else is going to get off on doing horrible things to little kids? So I was, I was a bit angry about that. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm so angry and sick inside of whatever this presence is on this planet or in this reality, in this dimension, whatever you want to call it. I, I want to face it. I want to Because I feel like it's a coward. I feel like it's a coward because it has to do things in the darkness. It can't can't do it out in the open. You know, if you're strong, you don't have to hide your intentions. You can do things out in the open. I mean, if I'm going to go play basketball, let's say, with a bunch of first graders, and I mean, I can just, I can talk crap all day because I'm bigger than them. I'm stronger than them. I don't have to hide anything. But the way these, the sinister force on this this planet has to work, they're always constantly manipulating us. If they want to if it's going to war to steal resources, it's got to be about lies, about exploiting our humanity and, and these things. So anyways, once I had that intention, I decided, okay, and I can't recall it entirely 100% accurate. It's difficult to always recall your experience afterwards, especially if it's months and months later, mm-hmm. with complete clarity. Mm-hmm. And what took place... Was I started to feel this presence but it was This was so mind-boggling that I decided to separate myself from everybody else And I went to the bathroom And when I was in the bathroom, I continued to purge And I never saw this presence But I could feel it And I, I, I knew that it was right there but it refused to show itself And Yeah, look, this is... It's very insane. I'll explain to you what followed therein. And the stuff that I was throwing up, as soon as I felt this presence, was just black shit. Prior to that, it wasn't anything like it, but it was just black shit that I was throwing up. Very dark. And it felt like I was purging because I could feel all the horrible things that whatever this force is, whatever this presence is, I could feel what it had been doing to... I mean, things that... We don't even know of, you know what I mean? Like child pedophilia and these all of those things of that nature are horrible. Those things are terrible things. And I know conventionally people say, Oh no, it's humans doing it to other humans. But I'm I believe, based on my experience, there's something deeper going on here. It's a spiritual kind of a warfare. And being in the presence of this this thing, it didn't scare me. It made me very, very, very angry. And I got so angry. That if anybody saw me, they would have thought I was a fucking psychopath. I got so angry that I started like demanding for it to show itself. And I got so angry, I punched, <laughs> I punched the wall. And I was like, fucking show yourself. And it refused to show itself. And it, it felt to me. And again, you have to be aware of your own perceptions and how a lot of this could be your own projections. You don't entirely know. But it felt to me as though it was scared, because I believe whatever this presence is, whatever this force is, like we've spoken about in previous podcasts, it is scared of what we are at our core, of our true potential, of us really waking up to our power.
0: Yeah. Wow, Gavin, uh, that's really in intense, and it's and it's when we actually confronting. Like the enemy in itself we do feel our bodies and minds change because we become like our soldiers but we only become the soldier who's actually trained for it whereas gavin you've actually programmed your mind to train for that so that moment so you are a strong entity and it just goes to me it just goes to show that if we actually all train our soldier inside of us we can all defeat that enemy because that's all it's frightened of us becoming soldiers
2: Exactly and and unity above and beyond us. Can I I tell you what I really view as being our destiny and what we should be doing Mm -hmm. and that's each and every one of us coming together or at least as many of us as possible because not everybody's going to be on one side, you know, unfortunately. I mean, maybe it's possible. I don't want to say it's impossible. But it's a very difficult thing to do. But what a significant number of people have to do around the world is we have to stay true to our nature. And what I mean by our nature, because this has become very convoluted, very difficult for people to understand. We spoke about this, I think, like in our first podcast together. Mm -hmm. Our nature is aligned with peace. And people say, what, what the hell is Gavin talking about? Our nature is aligned with peace, but we're always at war. If that's true, then there wouldn't have been these egregious crimes in Nazi Germany, or apartheid South Africa, or the Jim Crow laws in uh, the United States, or the genocide, the almost uh, complete genocide against the Aborigines. You know, these things would never have taken place if that was our nature. Well, our nature is a bit more complex in that we do love peace, and biologically we respond very well to peace, but... We have an intense hatred, an intense dislike to the point where we will become violent of what we perceive to be evil. And that's how they have gotten us to go to wars. That's how they have gotten us to commit certain crimes. Because if they can get people to believe, and it's kind of scary some of the things going on in the United States right now because that's where it's leaning towards. But if they can get people to believe that this is the source of the evil in the world. This is what's taking away your peace. These are the bad people. And if you can get people to believe that, then they will be violent and they'll go after them. And that takes place, as we can see all the time, just within our lifetime alone, with the wars. Or let's say the, the demonization of the Muslim population. If you can get people to believe that a certain segment is the evil, they will do everything they can to go ahead and... And, and kill that evil so now what I'm saying is we should be true to our nature, but we need knowledge to be true to our nature because Otherwise if we're ignorant We're gonna live in a constant state of division Where those who have knowledge They can play us against each other by using this very to me. It's so infantile But I mean it's because I can perceive it now and I'm sure you guys feel the same way. It's it's so simplistic it's pathetic, but it's working still and what they do is they'll find a certain segment of the population They'll use media, they'll use history, textbooks, schooling, etc., to paint certain people as this particular way, these people as this particular way, to create tension. So we divide it. Now, if we have proper knowledge, then we will perceive who the true source of the evil is, yeah. which is these these presidents, these prime ministers that are you know doing these skull and bone rituals or these bohemian grove rituals, and they are tied directly to these… Child pedophile rings and stuff and then when we start to really identify that and honor our nature Which like I said, it's one that is aligned with peace. So we want peace I mean, how many people do you know that say they don't want peace or to be financially free to be happy? We want very basic things because that is conducive to our nature, but we also have a thirst to remove evil and if we can honor our nature collectively and train for it, like we're talking about being a warrior, training as a soldier. If we can train ourselves to be aligned with our true nature, to honor our true nature, this world can be a heaven on earth. That can literally take place.
1: Yeah, definitely Gavin. Gavin as well, just to go back as well, before when you um when you were talking about when you asked to uh meet the, the entity that was sort of controlling this planet and was like sort of holding down the evil in this world. Did, I yeah, look,
2: look, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that sorry, not to cut you off. The feeling is that it wasn't one; it felt like it was a collection.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gavin, just when I I'm, when I I'm, what I mean, sort of the entity. I I don't just I'm ne- I don't necessarily mean like a individual. I mean yeah, like yeah. A collective. It's just the story. Yeah, I use you. the word, yeah. Um, but I was actually wondering, did you sort of like gain any insight into why that evil is sort of uh, going, why the evil is sort of going on?
2: Uh, you know, when you ask me that question, it feels like there's something on the tip of my tongue, but I would probably just give dead air on the podcast for like five minutes before I can give you anything. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. If it, off the top of my head, I can't recall anything tangibly. But it just, I don't know. It just felt like a really, just, just evil in the sense that it extends beyond our comprehension of evil. Just like I believe that if you want to call it the universe or god or mother nature that positive empowering and beautiful presence just like that is something that i believe we can only get a glimpse of we can't entirely comprehend it that's how it felt conversely in the presence of whatever that piece of shit was
0: Governor, i think i think itself it's it's something that's actually generated um, and played on man's and women's weaknesses for such a long time that it's actually manifested in itself to become something. Maybe, maybe not even something powerful, just to become something that plays on man and woman's greatest like emotional constructs, because it yes. breaks us down. Yeah. It breaks us down in our smallest individual selves where we feel our weakness, and that's what it feels like to me. It feels like it. Um, it feels like. Not just like an emotion, um, but a complete, or a complete unraveling of of mankind, and it might hardly be put into words, but it feels like it's it's us in a sense, but at our weakest levels.
2: Yeah, look, whatever whatever it is, it definitely works through our minds and. Yeah, look, it works a lot through our minds. It's, it's really, like you said, it's very difficult to tangibly articulate exactly what it is, you know. Um, I've, had, I've had quite a few experiences with it, especially when I was younger. When I was small, I was so scared at nighttime to actually leave my bed because I would sleep with the covers over my head. I was so scared that I would pee in the bed up until quite an old age, until I was, I think, like 9 or 10 years old. It was very debilitating. Yeah, it was very debilitating. And I know this is not entirely related to the ayahuasca, but I think it's significant nonetheless, is I would have a lot of these experiences growing up. And I'm sure you guys have had also, because it's very common in the world, experiences that are chalked up conventionally to sleep paralysis. Have you guys ever had any of those experiences where you were you sleeping and then you awake but you can't move and it feels like there's a sinister presence around you?
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, um, ah, that happened to me before and um, I've mentioned it before on um, the Robert Wagner podcast where we did about dreams and and I was telling them about when um, I was I was lying in a, after um, after a dream where I was moving everything and controlling my dream, I um, immediately felt these. Six or seven like demons, like just overall push me down. And um, I I woke up and I couldn't move my body, and um, I just pushed myself upwards after a couple of minutes. And I seen like a red pentagram right in the middle of the uh, room, yeah. And and that was just like looking over us. And um, yeah, my girlfriend next to us actually said the room was red as well when she woke up, so it was a bit weird actually.
2: So that just gave me shivers, cousin. That's so. Conventionally, what you know, the orthodox authorities and conventional science will just chalk it up as being sleep paralysis. Now, I'm not entirely convinced, and that's because of not only my personal experiences but also researching it and listening to, for example, what you've told me now. So, in my own particular instance, I've had quite a few of those happenings take place, not where there were uh, several around me and I saw like a pentagram and stuff. but similar events now this stopped about three or four years ago and the way that it stopped was I had that if you want to call it sleep paralysis I've got a much more open mind because I don't believe that's entirely the case I think there's something else that could possibly and potentially be going on there but I had that sleep paralysis and I woke up I mean, you know, you know how it is. You you are paralyzed. Your body cannot move, but you have conscious awareness and you can look around. And there was something staring at me. Now I can't tell you precisely what it looked like, but it's it's something that you would, in a stereotypical fashion, expect from a horrible, terrible, like horror movie. It looked something like out of a horror movie. It looked like, if you can call it. I mean, I don't know the definitive characteristics and visualization of what a demon would look like but I would call it a demon and this thing it was it was staring at me like it was trying to scare me and I got so angry that I I felt like I attacked it with my soul you know what I mean like I just I I wanted to just kill it you know what I mean I was very angry and since that day I have never ever had a problem again Yeah, I've never had a problem again. And that tells me that these things, whatever they are, they feed off of our fear. They like that shit, you know what I mean? But the moment that you show them, and and look, as somebody who, like I said, the earliest memory of my childhood was violence. I grew up and I had problems with violence. I had a terrible temper when I was younger. And it took me a lot of time growing up to overcome my own anger. You know what I mean? It took me a very, very long time. And anger seldomly, very, very rarely, can anything good come out of anger. You know, like the expression goes Anger, holding on to anger, is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Yeah. It's that's, stupid.
1: I was gonna say as well, Gavin, that's why they say in the ayahuasca ceremony as well, you can't fight the demon, you have to show the demon love.
2: Yeah, look for me, it's, it's very difficult to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you right now, cousin, it's very difficult for me to do.
1: Yeah. I was gonna because ask Oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Gavin, go ahead.
2: No, it's all good cousin. I don't I don't know if love would work on him cousin. <laughs> it's I, I really don't know, I'm just being honest. I don't know if if that approach would work. I mean I haven't tried it, so I can't dismiss it. So I mean I could maybe try it in the future. Yeah, I'm I'm open yeah. to anything, so
1: yeah. You know, I, I like that gavin I, I liked how you said that and um i was actually thinking in my head as well when we we're talking about sort of uh, the darkness before and I know, I know you just said that you you can't sort of like um you can't show the demon love sort of say but um i was actually wanting to see your thoughts on this and i know you i know you're probably, you probably know, i know what you're going to say now you're, you're going to sort of like disagree with what i say. but it's just a thought that i've sort of had in my head and i've been playing with and i was actually thinking maybe you know like the evil in the darkness I was actually thinking it's maybe it has to be there so it actually holds down sort of that space where the evil sort of lies, if you know what I mean, in this reality. Right. And I was actually thinking maybe the darkness is actually necessary for like the duality in life and um, sort of necessary for free will because I was actually thinking if there was sort of no resistance, like we would all sort of reach this stage of like enlightenment and the game would just be boring.
2: So I've I've thought about what you said and I I wouldn't entirely dismiss it because I don't know. You know, we have to be open to really infinite fucking possibilities because we don't know what this mystery of life is all about. However, I know that we have been born into this and our history is one of duality. And as this is just my opinion, but I believe that if we could eliminate this evil presence, because I mean, it creates so much just, you know, when you see certain things like innocent children getting tortured and raped and just horrible, horrible things, it's very difficult to find how that can be part of the greater plan. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that's grounds for it to be dismissed on, because you could still be interpreting it from your own, you know, point of view and your own conditioned or your own integrity, right? That can convolute the greater thing. We don't know necessarily. The creator of creators, or if this all just happened by chance, if that's how it is. But based on again our nature and whatever may have created us, and I have a very difficult time thinking that it just happened by chance. But based on the way that we are created, which is we we have a very, very strong affinity for peace, for justice, for unity, for laughter. In fact, our language is designed in such a way that it honors those things. So if I say empowerment, if I say truth, if I say justice, if I say love, unity, this evokes a positive image, a positive association in your mind and also within your own chemistry in your body. But if I say evil, war, hatred, and and those things, you also have a strong opinion about that. So we have such a slanted perception of good and bad and the bad forces in this world it seems like such a tiny tiny minority by way of comparison that it seems to me if we were to honor our true nature let's just say that we lived in an enlightened world because conventionally looking at history throughout time we've got this this history of like you said duality and it it seems very normal almost like being born into a matrix. You know, this is normal. This is part of the fabric. This is part of our works. I know there's spiritual teachers that preach that. I know there's philosophers that preach that. But if we remove that from the equation, because like I said, the way that we are is that we want to get rid of that. Now, let's say if we remove that from the equation, that darkness, that evil presence, that doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to stop growing. Because within this galaxy alone, There are billions of Earth-like planets that we know of. Then, on a larger scale, there's billions and billions of galaxies. And then, on a a larger scale than that, within each one of those galaxies, there's a shitload of planets. There's so much growth to be done. And as creative beings with the most intense and profound gift of all, which is our imaginations, we are meant to innovate. We are meant to create and, and do things that are just so, so, so much greater than what we are doing right now. I don't think it would actually hinder our growth. I think what's going on right now is actually hindering our growth. I think that, yes, it it does help. um, You know, if you go through adversity, if you go through struggle, like there's a saying that struggle promotes growth. And I, I wholeheartedly agree with that because my life has been an embodiment of that. However, I know that if I was provided if you were provided, if people all around, all around the world were provided with a proper, authentic education, one that kindles the imagination and the power you already have within you, if we did that, there's no limit to what we can achieve. We can do anything. I mean, I'm, I'm a true believer that whatever's in our imaginations, we can do that shit. Anything.
1: Yeah, definitely, Gavin. Like, Gavin, I loved how you said that, by the way, because that really did. That, that's really sort of just like sitting there, listening to you there. That's sort of, I in, try to internalize what you were saying there about sort of not sort of giving that, giving the energy to the darkness, sort of say. And um, I'll actually sort of it. It sort of when I said before about how we need the polarities of evil and stuff, it actually made me think in my head there when you said, "Don't give it energy," sort of say. I was actually thinking, I was completely agreeing with you in my head, and I was sort of thinking like. Gavin's completely right if you don't give something energy it doesn't like manifest and that's exactly yeah like the two wolves my
2: brother the two
1: wolves the good wolf and the bad wolf yeah I I love that Gavin and um, Gavin just as well I want to ask you as well because you sort of touched about you said something before about the truth sort of say and um, like finding the, the full truth about sort of like of what's going on on the planet things like that but what did you? Th- what would you think would actually happen if you, if we sort of, or if you found out the absolute truth? Because um, a lot of people talk about how, like, find them uh, talk about find themselves with ayahuasca, and then um, ayahuasca actually showing them aspects of themselves. But what do you think would actually happen if you actually found out the absolute truth? and sort of ayahuasca, give you the God equation.
2: All right. So absolute truth. I mean, ultimately, this is a very controversial topic. You know what I'm saying? Because it's it's. It's based on semantics, and semantics means that it's subject to definition. People have different definitions of ultimate truth. But for me, the ultimate truth is to know exactly what's going on here and then provide a blueprint to create a heaven on earth-like scenario. Well, if, if I find out what the ultimate truth is, which consists of our true history, because I think based on all the research I've done, that we, like I said in one of the first podcasts that we did, it might have been. I think we were off air. I can't entirely actually remember. But I believe that the manipulation that is going on here is either interdimensional or interplanetary. And this is based on a lot of research. This isn't just some theoretical bullshit that I'm saying. And based on that, when you say absolute truth, it would have to consist of what exactly took place. How did we precisely get you? What is our true history? What really happened with the human race? Uh, what created us did anything create us just just the truth. I just want to know the truth yeah. And from that point, how can we create a world that will be of benefit to us all because if we were meant to suffer, let's say I Don't think it, it would be I was gonna say I, I don't think it would be as horrible and we'd have such an aversion towards it But I really can't make that distinction. I mean I've also contemplated before. Maybe we like infinite souls. You get bored. You want to have different experiences and shit. There's there's lots of different possibilities. But ult- but if it was the ultimate truth for me, anyways, it would be what could improve this planet and and put us in a position where we can just like travel the galaxy yeah. and do amazing things. You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, Gavin. I, I completely agree. I, I liked how you said there about sort of like um. Like wanting to experience and travel over galaxies and sort of like put out in, in uh, sort of like experience all these different realities and stuff. But as well, I was actually thinking as well. And I know you said this before as well, but it, about um it. Sort of seems that this is what we are sort of saying anyway. It seems that like life is this ultimate game. I mean, that's the sort of feeling I'm getting lately. That with sort of
2: yeah, well, you could be very right. Yeah, it's
1: sort of like it like an, a video game. And I was actually thinking. um, I was asked because I'm like you, Gavin, and Chris is like you as well. We want to know the absolute truth, like you said. I want to know the truth about the ancients. I want to know about how we were created. But I also think as well, if I found that out, would I be would I be happy if I found out the truth? Because then the, the sort of the mystery would disappear. And it's just like you know when you play a video game and you sort of get to the you have like these great you have <laughs> yeah. these great boss battles and stuff like that and um and then you end up be- defeating the uh, the boss you end up just throwing the like the the game away because you've there's nothing else to do in the game anymore.
2: You, you want to hear some crazy shit? Okay, I took uh, a very large dose of some powerful mushrooms one time because that's also that's another teacher plant. It's different. It's uh, a bit more cheeky. I would say it's got it's a <laughs> different approach. Than uh, ayahuasca, but when I took it, it was the craziest feeling. I felt in my mind that I had finally figured out everything. You know what I'm saying? It was so powerful. It was so profound. And this is some trippy, trippy shit. And it was uh, I can't remember what what is the the view of the world? Is it solipsism? I think where. You, where it's the belief that it's just you, and everything else is is basically going on inside you. Yeah, I know
1: what you mean. I I don't I don't know what the name is. But I think uh... it's
2: solipsism. I can't really remember. But anyways, the shrooms fooled me into believing that shit. Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, oh shit! I've you know, okay, it all makes sense now, and it felt so amazing. It, it was awesome. I even cried. <laughs> I even cried. Yeah. And then next thing you know, like I start to figure out. That's just bullshit.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Gavin, it's very interesting because I've actually had that. I've had that feeling without even (laughs) psychedelics.
2: Yeah, it's weird. No, look, I still wrestle with it. Have you guys seen that movie? It's (sighs) the eleventh floor, maybe or something. I can't remember the name of it. Brilliant movie, but again, it's the same thing. It's the same concept, but it actually goes. It's like a Matrix concept, but it goes deeper and deeper. And like you were talking about now, like it being a video game. If I'm an infinite being, yeah, shit. Why not? You know, go play, have this experience, and then I'll even thought to myself, maybe you have this experience until you, uh, like, create massive positive change, and then everything's cool, and then the game's over, and then you play another one. You know, something crazy like that. But what freaked me out thinking about all this stuff, like the concept of a video game. I'm sure you guys heard of Elon Musk saying that he thinks we live in an augmented reality, and he's yeah, funding yeah. a huge campaign into it and stuff. Now they're coming very strong with augmented reality, like they're making that push. We saw a lot of that last year with Pokemon Go and like the beginning stages of it. Yeah. And then it made me think, what if we are a couple layers into the shit already? <laughs> you know what I'm yeah, yeah, definitely. Man. Imagine that, like we are a few layers into it. Like you break, you gotta. It's not breaking through one matrix; it's breaking through like several matrices.
1: Yeah, def- yeah, it's like
2: where does it begin, really?
1: Yeah, we actually had a conversation about this on our previous podcast, Gavin, and we we're talking about how the chances that we are that first like simulation is probably if you I really do think about it. It's very it's on a very low scale because this this whole process of like us getting like a, a civilization getting to a point in time where they're so advanced in technology. They create a simula- simulation, and then the people in the simulation create another simulation, another one, another one, another one. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then before you know it, you're sitting on a podcast with Gavin Ashermento, who's in <laughs> South Africa, and he's, he's questioning it. For the seventh billionth time. Yeah, for the seventh billionth time. We've done this like, we've done this seven billion <laughs> times over and over again. I had the same conversation. <laughs>
2: yeah, you never know, Gavin. You never know, my brother. The, the thing is, though, and it's important for your viewers, because for some people, this shit can drive you to the brink of insanity. It really can. I've been to some places in my mind where, like, you realize if you start to, you're at the, the tip, you're at the tip of the mountain there, and if you go over just a little bit more, you're going to fall. It's important for whoever's listening right now to realize that, yes, there are countless possibilities, but always try your very best, because it is ultimately about choice. It's about what you believe. Like, in the final Matrix movie, when Neo's fighting uh, Agent Smith... And he's like, why do you keep on trying? And then he says, because I choose to. Our choice is very powerful. So for those listening, always choose whatever is going to give you the power to determine your future. Because if fate is real, then that will happen regardless. If there are different realities, well, just then things will play out regardless. But rather live your life in such a way that you are the one behind the driving wheel. I mean, be open to other things, but don't start to relinquish your sanity. Focus intently and powerfully on the future you want to create for yourself and take action in accordance to those beliefs.
0: Yeah, that's the ultimate form of control, that, Gavin. Gavin, uh, something else I'd like to ask you is, do you think ayahuasca is like a part of the human imagination like do you think it's an intelligent entity like or pure consciousness Mm, it's a good
2: question yeah
0: or even a form of communication from like mother earth like what do you think
2: yeah i think you know what. it's also it's good that you actually asked me this now this was with the dmt though so let me first answer then i'm going to tell you about an experience i had i do think that there's it's a way it's a conduit for information it's a way to to communicate i really and truly do believe that um, one of the things, a very profound experience that I had was on one of the occasions when I did the DMT. Now, don't get me wrong. I want to say that's what I believe, but I'm open to possibilities. I don't know in absolute terms. It could be something that is actually coming from other minds. From also the research I've done, people are having very similar experiences. So I think that it's something Deeper than that, I think it's it really is a higher intelligence, it's something that we can learn from, and it's something that does want us to learn. Now, on the occasion that I was getting into when I smoked the DMT, and this actually goes back further, and I just went off with it on a tangent, which unfortunately I have a bad habit of doing. <laughs> but, we, lo- we
1: love that, Kevin all of it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, Sorry, I just <laughs> just got mature, <out> like <laughs> and after being in the room, when I said I could see the music in my cousin's room, I moved from his room to outside, and he has a beautiful backyard, and he has this amazing, amazing tree. Where I moved now, too, I need to actually send you guys a photo. This tree, has it's got the pattern of the flower of life. It's incredible. It's remarkable. It's Yeah, it's very nice. But anyways, I went outside, and this shit is going to sound crazy to anybody who hasn't done DMT. Maybe not to you guys, because you have an open mind, but I mean to... Skeptical people and I went outside and I was looking at this tree and it's just it's so alive It's it's like reaching out to you. It's it's pulsating with life. It's just it's remarkable and I felt it communicating with me not verbally But through a way where you feel like you can feel exactly what it's saying and the feeling I got and again This could be your projections. I don't entirely know but the feeling that I got the communication that I received is that it, Mother Nature, wants change as much as we do on this planet, and it needs to work through us, and we need to work together to bring that about.
1: Wow. Yeah, Gavin, I liked how you said that because we had um Dennis McKenna on our podcast. I, th- I think you probably know who Dennis McKenna is. Do you know who he is, Gavin? Yeah. Oh yes,
2: yeah, the brother of Terence McKenna.
1: Yeah, he was talking about it was a brilliant podcast as well, and he was talking about how he believes that he believes that actually ayahuasca is sort of understanding that we it needs us to wake up so that the so that the tree like the uh, the trees in ayahuasca and the plants on the planet can actually sort of get to their next stage in evolution as well because he was this this is is very interesting gavin because he was actually saying that ayahuasca understands that it needs human beings to actually spread the spread the seeds of plants to other planets in the universe
2: yeah you know i've you know what i've also thought about before i mean not to go off topic yeah. And I I agree with what you're saying. I think that's a very strong possibility. I've thought to myself before, if what's going on on this planet, this exploitation, if it's going on on a number of different planets as well, because the the model that is in place, like the blueprint, it's very, very sophisticated. When you really research, and I'm talking about a shitload of research into how the education system works, the agriculture system, uh, all of it, when you really look at all of it and how sophisticated it is, and even the food that they They've got fluoride in the water and everything. It's extremely sophisticated, a sophisticated form of control. It almost seems at times, in the way it's been methodically done over a certain periods of time throughout history, you know. And also with uh, rolling out with pornography, which is it's a very sensitive topic. I recently wrote a paper for an anti-human trafficking organization on pornography, but it's phew, deteriorating the human psychology and mind in remarkable ways in very disturbing ways but the forms of control that are rolled out it almost seems like a blueprint that has been used before and I mean look that's purely theoretical I just I like to like you know we're talking about stuff just throwing our things out there to think about because it's it's possible you know you never know yeah
1: yeah definitely gavin I mean I, there's there's definitely I, I completely agree with what you said because I've had them feelings myself because if you look around at all the world, there's like all these different systems that are in place and the 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 they're like the, they're, they're so deep rooted in the system that uh, you, you, go so you go around you go around the most people and you you look at all like you said the, use the fluoride and the water and things like that. Like how have, how have we actually not got like how can we not get a system where we all understand that everyone wants to drink clean water but there's still, if you start looking deeper, like you said, you do your research, you start looking at the facts, you start seeing that there there is things in our water, and who is like where does that come from? Who is putting the things in the water? Because the average person who's just work working at sort of like a um a, a water company isn't wanting to what not wanting to harm people but exactly still, yeah. the
2: average human being doesn't want to create yeah. destruction and havoc and war and all that bullshit so that's, it's that's just, it's, it's propaganda they try to feed us yeah. you know what I mean
1: so it seems to be as well like I've been trying to get to this to root in my head where's that where's that like that deepness coming from where's them um, the real like sort of where's that real the real push to actually what you just said there like the blueprint where's that really coming from because no, a- anyone can be like listening to this now and they can be sort of saying, Oh, this is a load of rubbish, this is a load of crap. But if you really do do, de- do your deep research and you're looking at yeah, looking at the yeah, you will see that there is there's lots of things in this system in place that is trying to like basically screw us up.
2: And it's and and when you look at also history and how they've always gone after ancient cultures that were very, very advanced cultures in relation to the. Um, the agreements, the relationship, and the assimilation with Mother Nature, how they lived. It was very, very, very efficient. It was highly, highly um, evolved compared to what we're doing right now, which is destroying the environment that we are completely dependent on. When you look at how they've gone after those environments, and not only have they gone after those environments, they've destroyed knowledge about them. and. Um, even today, they're going after shamans in certain parts of the world, including South America. Yeah, and I was, was going to see that. You're actually there. Yeah, because they, they, these are the people, like the shamans, okay? And people need to also be very aware of this. Terence McKenna used to talk about it, about the whole spiritual uh, commercial business. There is a huge business about that. There's always going to be people like you got all of these, now everybody's a yoga guru and they're posting their shit on Instagram. A lot of these people don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And you're going to find that with shamans too. These people, they're just trying to make a quick buck. But when you find an authentic shaman, okay, these individuals have got ancient knowledge. They've got a way of allowing us to communicate with a deeper intelligence. And that's very difficult for most of us to entertain because we were born into this matrix. That shit sounds like gibberish, it sounds crazy. But they are key holders. Like there's the key holder in the matrix, they are key holders. To law, uh, to doors that lead to higher realms of intelligence and knowledge. I'm a firm believer in that.
1: Yeah, Gavin, as well. When you said this, you said earlier in the podcast. You were talking about the spiritual warfare. I was actually thinking there as well that when you were talking there about understanding, sort of like the powers to be, sort of understand that. Um, beastie, what what I see is in my head is that they sort of understand that they're trying to they're trying to stop that bridge between the two worlds because they understand that we actually deep down in our like sort of soul, we actually. We crave that sort of that deep connection with um, something more intelligent, something more like uh, pure. And they're trying to they're putting that, that and I think that's what the main thing is. They're trying to stop that sort of that connection between the bridge between the
2: two worlds. Well, you know what's interesting is when I had my last experience with with ayahuasca and how you do this ritual and it's a, it's a beautiful ritual and it's centered around peace and harmony. They also it occurred to me right then and there that they also have their rituals, like we see at Bohemian Grove or with Skull and Bones when they did their mock murder ritual. They have their own rituals that they are convening. And they are, like if you look at, for example, John Dee or Alistair Crowley, I don't know if you guys are familiar with either one of these two individuals, but they dabbled in, in, in dark occultism and black magic. And when you research this shit, it's very real. It sounds crazy, I know. It may think of Harry Potter and all this bullshit. But it's real. There's actually something about that. The, and whether or not you believe it or not, a lot of the ruling class, they really believe in this dark occultism. And they try to elicit dark spirits. So there is another side that they are trying to allow in. Yes, they don't want to allow whatever we are getting in contact with because they realize it's in conflict with whatever the fuck they're worshipping. But our rituals are the ones that are associated with this, you know, Mother Nature and peace and harmony and beauty. And you also find in many scientific studies that those who live in nature are living in a more peaceful environment. And they have a better uh, association with their dopamine and their endorphins and they're living in a, in a good environment. They're not... Constantly stressed out what they find is people are living in a concrete jungle and which is the city the man-made city They're always more stressed out many studies have corroborated this. So our rituals are always Associated with the earth with something beautiful with nature with peace mm-hmm. Theirs, on the other hand are very very dark rituals and it's it involves murder and in uh, and rape and pedophilia and, and it's, it's like completely opposite end of the spectrum. So they are trying to communicate with something else as well. And I'm not sure if, they, if all of these things are in the same dimension. I don't necessarily know how all of it works. But they are trying to communicate with something as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Gavin, I think, I think what, they're, what they're harnessing really is these dark emotions. But what they are, they're really powerful emotions. So they can bring up this intense energy and with this intense energy they're directing it towards their their goal as to say, but their goal their what seems to me is like all these people that all have this like agenda which to me is like money and power. So that's their driving force is power and they've got so much powerful dark energy driven towards it. It is scary and because the only true connection that we can have at the minute is through nature, is through our own ceremonies. So it's kind yeah. of like
1: what their what their power is at the minute is really intense. Now, Gavin, just to jump in as well, I was just going to say as well, I think as well, maybe as well. That's why the that's why this sort of this this um, cumulation of like people all over the world being sort of drawn back to ayahuasca. Maybe ayahuasca is sort of like a like we said before this intelligent sort of code that's coming from the planet, sort of trying to like see a wake up you monkey, sort of say, and maybe <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, and maybe maybe ayahuasca is the sort of the light and. Like that's why to go back as well. What you said before as well about how if you look around at the world now as well, ayahuasca has been banned for so long, and many other psychedelics as well, like DMT, which is like yeah, produced produce naturally in the pineal gland. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's crazy shit. When you look at that compared to the pharmaceutical drugs, I mean, what the fuck? And and that's when you start to make these these logical connections. Yeah, definitely. You know, that's what how is that legal in this shit, which is so profound? I'm not saying that anybody should take it because I don't think anybody should take it. Some people just are not ready. But those who are ready, those who feel the need to do it, who have gone in places – and you don't have to even be in a, in a psychologically stable and mature place. A lot of people do it who are addicts. I mean there's a, a, a lot of scientific literature, there's a lot of research that demonstrates – that this ayahuasca helps them to get off of their drug addictions, their hard drug addictions, or their smoking addictions, or their alcohol addictions. I mean, it's absurd. It's completely, it's ridiculous that they make it illegal. And and in my opinion, that's self-evident. It's self-explanatory why they don't do that.
1: Yeah, definitely. Gavin, I completely agree, Gavin. I think as well, that that what you said there, that should completely raise issues in people's minds again. If it, like you said before, it's, it's curing, it's getting people off alcoholism, it's getting people off other pharmaceutical medications. That All kinds
2: of stuff. Yeah. yeah,
1: that should raise questions in people's minds again, and, and why is that in place? But Gavin, as well, just jump back as well. Something I want to ask you. and This is quite a big question as well. But I'd I would love love to see your thoughts on this. But would you say that ayahuasca was, and you could probably see see the answer to DMT as well. But would would you say that ayahuasca and DMT were probably one of the most intelligent sort of things that you've ever encountered? Hmm,
2: that's a good question. What I will say, because it's difficult to, to talk about it in those terms, you know, like to, it's not like a one-on-one kind of encounter. It's, it's almost like being welcomed into a space. And look, ayahuasca can be brutal. I mean, the first time around it was gentle, it was very empowering. But second time around, there was, was no shit, no fucking around. It was serious stuff. It was very, very powerful. But you feel, you do feel safe. You feel welcomed, in my opinion. You feel like ayahuasca has your best interest in mind. You know what I mean? It generally wants to try to help you. With the with the DMT, it made me feel on each occasion that I've done it. Now, don't get me wrong. It can be also scary. You know, you've got to have a certain amount of mental strength, I would say, before you do DMT. DMT is a lot more intense. It's important to reinforce that so people are clear about that doesn't mean that you must be scared about it each time when i do it i mean it's been a while since i've done it but each time before i felt like okay you know when you feel like you're going to get on a roller coaster (laughs) you know (laughs) you feel those butterflies because you know you're going to see some shit but each time after i did the dmt the most profound thing that it revealed to me is that we are infinitely more powerful and more gifted and more special than what we have been led to believe that human beings are something else. And, and for me, that's definitely, it's, it's not something that I would say was provided exclusively from the DMT, because I always, you always have your suspicions. I think we all do because deep down inside, that's something that's alive in us. We know that there's more to this, but after doing the DMT, it felt very reassured. It felt reinforced to where it removed any kind of a doubt.
0: Yeah, that's nice that, it's It was nice, nice with that deep connection from both of them. It's lovely that. Gavin, I was wondering as well, Like, what was the biggest lesson that you took from the whole experience of ayahuasca?
2: From the ayahuasca, I would say that the the deepest lesson I took, and it was actually from my first experience, was the most important thing and the way to communicate with whether you want to call it Mother Nature, God, the universe, God's higher entities, whatever, is by cultivating harmony inside yourself. And this can be done through meditation, uh, yoga, exercise. I mean, there's a number of different ways to do it. And when you do this, it opens up the lines of communication. It's it's having a conversation without verbally having a conversation. And it also occurred to me actually when I was doing it that everything that is in place just about in the system of control from music to television to even the food that upsets our chemistry, our biology and inside us. It's to actually disrupt that harmony within Mm -hmm. even the frequency of the internet and all kinds of things. uh, I mean, that's just the perception that I had either received or interpreted when doing the ayahuasca. Mm -hmm. So the most important thing, I would say, is to just keep harmony inside yourself. Yes, I'm not saying be willfully ignorant of the darkest things going on in the world because sticking your head in the sand is not the solution, but you cannot pour from an empty cup. You have to take care of yourself first. Nobody can eat from a tree that has no fruit growing on it. So first and foremost, make sure you have peace and harmony within yourself.
1: I love that, Governor. I absolutely love that. Gavin, what would you say what would you say just to like bring this end, podcast to an end, but what would you say is sort of like the biggest challenge for you like spiritually in your life now? Like what are you working on sort of like intrinsically?
2: You know, the hardest challenge for myself spiritually, and this has been a it's been a hard for a while for a long time, is to marry the concept of spirituality and financial abundance. Those things have been in conflict for me for a long time. Because I've always, I've got this perception that money, which money, is, it's inanimate, and yes, it has been used to exploit us and control us, but I've got a very bad perception from a spiritual perspective of financial abundance and the concept of money. So I'm trying to overcome that hurdle, you know what I mean? It's been very, very difficult.
0: Um, Gavin, someone, oops, sorry, Gavin, someone Um who actually um, had the same sort of issue with um, with understanding like the value of money and still wanting to live a very spiritual life. I don't know if you ever heard of him, T. Harv Eker? Hey, say it again, sorry. Uh, T? T. Harv Eker. Um, it
2: sounds familiar, but no, I can't well, consciously recall.
0: Well, he um, wrote a book, The Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, and his, he sort of found the connection between spirituality and money. Um, so if you if you would like, it, he would um, be a good person to look into.
2: You know, what? I think I think a friend of mine. No shit, I think a friend of mine. He also works, like he's got a big alternative media website, and he does a lot of things in alternative media. I think he actually invited me to like his page on Facebook. I'm sure it's the same guy. Yeah. I'm sure, and if that's the case, that's very synchronistic
1: yeah gavin as well i'll take it as
2: a hint a big hint yeah
1: no gavin i I, I completely resonate what you said there and i've had them i've had them battles within my own mind as well because it is like a it is really hard thing because if you like you look at the bigger picture like money is sort of like money is the root of all evil really and it is that that battle between like we are all living in a system now where we we do understand that like we need money to like to sort of eat our food because we've sort of and whether people agree with that or not, but like we've sort of given our power away to the systems to provide us with well food, and like we're not yeah, growing, yeah. we're not growing our own foods and stuff, and it is a very like obviously I know me and you now and Chris we understand that like that isn't like what what with what's going on with the money and sort of things and being the currency that it's it's not right we know it's not right, but and, and that is like a hard it's a it is a it's a real hard spiritual dilemma that that I think a yes. lot yes it?
2: because it's in conflict with the, the way we do things you see yeah. like for myself right. My business, my job, my profession really is to share knowledge, share truth, be a teacher. And there's an expression actually in the Bible, which I like a lot, that freely you have been given and freely you shall give. And that's how I feel about the truth. But if you want to do this for a living, you have got to monetize it. You know what I'm saying? It's something that has to be done. And the system itself, it is, it's in conflict with human nature. And that's really, it's the... Religion is a great controller Um, TV is a great controller Music, a lot of things are great controllers But there is no better controller than money Money controls all of those things At least in the conventional sense Or in today's traditional climate So knowing that stuff When you look at it 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 kind of puts you off But ultimately Until we do come up with a better system And I know there's actually a lot of people That are in that same dilemma And I wanted to speak to those people quickly we, we are in that moral dilemma right now, and it's natural to feel this way. But money is just a tool of trade. It's, it's not that there's actually a shortage of money. You know, If you come from poverty, for example, I've come from poverty, financial poverty anyways. In other ways, I've come from abundance, but I've come from financial poverty. And when you come from that, you have this mindset that is deeply rooted in scarcity. But there is no scarcity, guys. There's actually no scarcity of water. There's no scarcity of food. There's no scarcity of land. All of those things, if you look at the different authorities and anybody that may be curious about that and wants to know more, they can comment on your podcast page and I'll be happy to answer it. But those things have been irrefutably proven that there is more than enough of all of those things. And as far as money goes, right now there's like 10 or 12 billionaires and these are just the ones that are on paper. There's... People that aren't on paper because they know they don't have to be on paper. They're that high up. But there's people on paper right now, there's 10 or 12 of them, according to Oxfam, we have more material wealth than half of the world's population. There's no shortage, you guys. We just have to come up with another system where we can basically have this abundance amongst ourselves. And until we do that, though, we do have to partially play this game. I mean, I know we don't like it. I know I don't like it. But you have to realize that you do have a certain value that you bring into this world. And although, yes, value should be measured in ways like integrity, friendship, love, and happiness, for now, until we can bring in and usher in a new system that will be infinitely better than this one. And we're currently doing it right now, but until that time, we all have to realize that we must monetize our dreams. We have to find a way to not just support ourselves financially, but to be abundant because we do deserve that. And seeing other people that are in a position of scarcity, because for me, that I mean, it breaks my heart. I'm a very empathic person. Mm-hmm. Rather than looking at it like in a guilty sense, and I'm not saying you got to drive around in fucking Ferraris and shit because I'll never do that. You know, I don't see it as necessary. If some people do, I'm not going to judge them. Mm-hmm. But in becoming financially prosper, uh, prosperous, what you're going to do is put yourself in a position where you are now free to focus on how you can make the world a better place. Now, if you don't do that, it's going to be very difficult. As somebody who has wrestled for a long time, there's been certain periods i have done very financially well, but there's also been some very low points. And if anybody that can tell you, I'm sure you guys, I don't know, maybe can relate to some time uh, in your lives, when you have the shackles of financial slavery on you it debilitates your mental faculties it it debilitates your creativity it prevents you from offering your gift to this world so people in my opinion should focus on becoming financially free without being guilty about it because in doing so you will be able to give mankind your best
0: that's exactly right Gavin you hit the nail right in the head brother as per always Gavin I'd just like to say thank you from me and Dan for again for coming on and really sharing your knowledge brother really greatly appreciate it
2: thanks for having me i mean i love talking to you guys i mean i really love talking to you guys and i love what you are doing i know it's just going to get better and better and anytime in the future you just let me know and i'll be happy to be on the show yeah
1: definitely gavin thanks Thanks, brother thank you so much and from from the bottom of my heart thank you so much
2: Nah, you're welcome brother. much love to both of you as always
1: thanks so much for listening to the podcast we really do appreciate you guys tuning in every week to expand your mind and worldview. Please go to our Patreon page and support the podcast and check out our cool rewards we've set up for you all. And until next week, keep seeking. Peace.